Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 272. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you for tuning in to the show. And I'm excited about this episode. It was really um, powerful having Danielle Strickland on the show. She's going to be at the Global Leadership Summit. That's uh, the event Bill Hybels puts on that simulcast across the country in August. And um, I didn't know much about her. And I did some research and I invited her to come on the show. And she was gracious enough to come on the show. She works for the Salvation Army, but we didn't really talk about that. Um, gets pretty heavy in this conversation, unapologetically talking about Jesus and following God and, and that applies to your leadership. I'm a firm believer that if you're going to be a transformative leader, you have to put a spiritual element into your mix. You have to. Because the leadership principles that we talk about here on Dose of Leadership and what I believe, they just exist. No one invented them. None of these leadership gurus I've had on the show invented it. The Marine Corps didn't invent it. They just exist. And the more that I've become closer with my relationship and my walk with God, and again, I still feel like a novice, but the more I realize and how important it is, and you've heard me say this on the show, that leadership is about love. Bar none, that's what it's about. And um, for me, Christianity works. And again, I don't care if you follow it or not, but at some point, love has to be at the center. Spirituality has to be at the center, no matter what you believe. And... Um, so it was a pleasure and an honor to have Daniel Strickland come on this show. And we talk about Christianity. We talk about uh, God and, and what it means in a leadership sense. And I really think you're going to get um, a lot of great nuggets out of this conversation. She's phenomenal in her authenticity, in her transparency, and what she believes and how it applies to leadership in life. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. You can find out more about her stuff at danielstrickland.com and learn all about her and how she loves people. She loves Jesus. She's aggressive in her compassion uh, towards people all over the world. You know, her calling has found her in you know, the back alleys and late night streets, kind of rescuing those caught up in drugs, homelessness, prostitution, etc. But again, it's just a great conversation, and she's a great uh, leader in her own right. I hope you're finding some value in Dose of Leadership. You know, you can learn more uh, about Dose of Leadership and the services I provide at richardryerson.com, coaching, group coaching, speaking. Uh, you can learn more about my masterminds, where I do masterminds occasionally, um, and trying to start the uh, Achieving Significance Mastermind, which is a 12-month mastermind, which I'm looking for five unique members, so you can learn more about there. If you want to support the show financially, again, this is a free show. Hopefully, you're using it in your leadership journey. You can go to patreon.com. You can go to doseofleadership.com too and look at the Patreon logo and uh, support the show there. Any support would be greatly appreciated. Again, thanks for being a fan of the show. And without further ado, here's Danielle Strickland on Dose of Leadership. Well, Danielle, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Uh, great to be with you. And, I, and the reason why is because I, you know, looking at your stuff and, um, I love, well, I'll even say this. My 
understanding of leadership, particularly in the last five years, and coming to the grips and the realization that you cannot, I, I say this, that you cannot be an effective, transformative leader unless you have spirituality involved in the mix. Would you agree with that? Yes. I, well, I think spirituality is um, kind of a core thing. It's like a, it's a, a centering, um, deepening. So I think you probably can be a good leader, but I actually I don't think you can be a centered, authentic, yeah. you know, uh, a steady leader without uh, spirituality. Absolutely. Because the principles, are, they just exist, right? I mean, they, they're there for our taking. Nobody invented them. I mean, they're there since the dawn of time. And that's Absolutely. that's what's so important. Yeah. And if you don't have that sort of core established, then you tend to lead out of insecurity um, or arrogance, which will never kind of end up with the end result that we would love. Yeah. So how did you get to this point? How did you get to the point where you're this, this you're passionate about spreading the word of Jesus? You're passionate about leadership. You're passionate about kind of peer based um, ministry. I mean, how did you get to this point? Yeah, I think for me, you know, the I, I grew up in the church um, and I grew up in the Salvation Army that has a, a really, you know, sort of big bend on uh, on social mercy right. and social change. And so I kind of grew up in that environment, but I had a really bad uh, view of God. I really viewed God as authoritative and rule keeping. And, uh, and I wasn't very good at keeping the rules, even as a kid. And, uh, and so I kind of, I bought a lie that rebellion led to freedom and I just kind of went the other way, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then I had this transformative encounter with Jesus where he revealed, I think something that's pivotal for everybody's future. And the, the pivotal truth that Jesus revealed to me was that he loved me for who I was, not what I could do. Yeah. And that was, you know, not only life changing in the moment, but it's been forever life centering since. You know, that, that is the big trap, isn't it? It's that we base our self-worth on a position, a title, or performance, and what other people think about us. Yeah. And, and that's when we get in that big trap, right? It leads to this kind of, we're chasing position, we're chasing the next, I don't know. Well, and it's so hard when you're um, made to um, succeed. Like you feel like there's something in you, like sure, there's a competitive a nine. drive yeah, in me. There's like yeah. a, a drive to do things well. Like I, um, there's an adventurous thing inside of me. So all of those things, I think, and plus this massive cultural um, force that sort of pushes you in that direction of performance uh, over character. And so that's just kind of where the road goes. So I feel like unless you're intentional about going the other way, uh, chances are that's, that's where you're going to lean. But doesn't, isn't it, um, a myth to think that it's, um, like the, the, it, to me, I think the perfect combination or the ideal that we should be striving for is this massive intensity of will, which is the competitive, the gnawing, the pursuing kind of that, um, dream and dreaming bigger than we we even give ourselves credit for but coupling that with a, a tremendous sense of humility it, and, and that is the ultimate combination is it not yeah well my you know my favorite definition of humility is coming into agreement with what god says about you mm, mm -hmm. and of course what god says about you he says before you can even do anything <laughs> <laughs> Right. He declares you good upon your creation. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. and I think once you get there, you know, which is that that light went on for me where this, this love of God and the value God has for me and the goodness that God sees in me has nothing to do 
with my performance. My performance right. is all an overflow of that. That's right. Uh, I think once you get there, then, you know, you don't have to live your life uh, in fear of being exposed or in fear of being a failure or because, I mean, I think a lot of us, even our performance driven uh, leadership is around fear. Uh, and we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what other people will think. We're That's afraid right. of not measuring up to whoever standards we've adopted, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once you can actually go, wait a minute, none of that matters to God. <laughs> like none of it. None of it. Uh, and once you kind of can, and I feel like that's almost like a daily thing I have to do where I remind myself of what God says about me so that I'm not trying to live up to what other people think of me. Yeah. It's an easy, it is a day. I think you're, I love that you said that it's, it is the price of admission of this and and it is freeing. I think when you understand that that's just the way it is, it is a daily, it's a daily battle. And I, and, and I don't say a battle to, to frustrate or discourage it's just, that's just the way it is. And it, it is a liberating moment when you realize that everybody has to deal with that same thing. And you're absolutely right that when you know that you don't have to, when you can fully accept and believe, and it is a daily reminder that you are fully worthy, the price yeah. has already been paid. So you don't have to chase that position, that title. Well, and you've actually used a great word when you said liberating, because I feel like that question, you know, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm-hmm. Uh, is a really good one to ask every day. Yep. You know, if fear wasn't a driver, what would you do? And what would you do differently? And how would you do it differently? And then it would sort of be like this daily decision to do what it is that you would do if you weren't afraid. It's you the, know, I think it could be a really life-changing moment for people. Yeah, it's the difference between chasing, and I'm using air quotes, success, as opposed to chasing or living a life of significance. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and meaning and purpose mm-hmm. and things that actually are really valued by God. And it doesn't mean the fear goes away. In fact, in fact, the fear actually intensifies, I found. Because it it and 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 I don't mean that it's almost like the fear becomes the barometer. To me, it's like the fear becomes that's what the angels, the muse, the God has put on your heart to tell yeah. you what you probably should be doing. Well, it's funny because I think that there's a fear of failure and then there's a fear of risk. Yeah. And they're connected. And I feel like the adventure that God invites us to is this risky one. Right. But it's not like the the risky kind where God doesn't have you no matter what. Because and one of the great things is that what God values, of course, is, is the opposite of what our culture values. Yeah. So all the things that God really values around honesty and meaning and authenticity and like freedom and generosity and like mm-hmm. they're all the very opposite of like money and accumulation and, you know, success and professionalism. And if you could kind of reverse the cultural, it, you know, all the things God honors. So even if you failed culturally, God would be like applauding, you know. Like, <laughs> right. So the risk isn't really there. The risk is that we'll lose face with culture. Uh, which is our own, that's our own internal battle. So the fear is really probably of ourselves and our ego and our pride and our peers and our parents, but actually heaven applauds, uh, you know, because when we capture those eternal values that God loves. That's great. That's a big takeaway for me today. That, and that you're absolutely right because all that fear, everything that you're feeling or that fear, that, that kind of internal strife is 
based on really cultural, like you said, expectations, really. Yeah, it's a battle with the world, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, and I mean, it's also a battle, battle with, you know, things like money, like how will I pay the bills or can I live this standard of life? Or, you know, there are all these questions and you have these beautiful examples from scripture and from church history where you have these guys who were highly professional and traded it all in for nothing and they were the happiest they've ever been, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just, you know, it's just so hard for us to believe that's possible. I I still think that, you know, the, the living this kind of um or dedicating your life to what your purpose is. I get well, let me ask you this. How did you know and how do you know? How does somebody find out what they, they're truly meant to do? Because I think a lot of times questions and, and even myself is like, how do I know this is what I'm supposed to do? How, and to me it's gotta be peace, but sometimes I just find myself not finding myself being at peace with almost anything sometimes. And I don't know if it's the the battle between what I want and, and what God I don't know, you know? Sometimes it's just it just seems so jumbled and it's messy. It's never clean. Yeah, and I think one of the problems with that is that we've kind of bought into this thing that there's this one thing that you're called to do. And I'm not sure that that's always the case. I think for my own life anyway, it's always been kind of the thing in front of me. Right. And if I can, uh, that thing that's in front of me, it sometimes looks like a problem. It sometimes looks like an opportunity. Uh, It sometimes looks like an interruption. (laughs) But if that thing in front of me, if I can do that and I can do it well and I can enjoy it and I can do it with God um, and I can, you know, I can do it with deep intent. It usually opens some other thing right. uh, in front of that. And then it opens some other things. So it's less of a designed path and a lot more of a, an adventure. I like that. And it, and it's, it's, it's never really, and you're right. It's never really one door. It's if, if you kind of just listen, Yeah. okay, do this. It doesn't make sense, but I feel compelled to do this, do it, see where, you know, then it, there's always multiple doors that seem to open up. Absolutely. And it's about really having the eyes to see the God opportunity. So, and it's always different. You know, you don't know, I can't prescribe it for somebody else, but it's this, this God opportunity and you know it and you feel that like what you suggested, you feel the risk in it. Uh, and you feel sort of the inconvenience of it for the most part, because we're usually on a trajectory and God, mostly you find calling through interruption most on, on your own trajectory. That's true almost in every leader account in scripture, (laughs) Uh, God interrupts everybody to say, Hey, have you thought of this? You know? (laughs) And so almost every one of those God opportunities looks like an interruption. It looks almost like a diversion. Uh, But if you're willing to kind of just take the clue, like a scavenger hunt, you know, you're willing to kind of go where God throws the ball and give it a catch. uh, Then you'll feel something awaken in you. And as you feel that thing awaken in you, that's usually a sense of calling. Yeah. And speaking of callings, how did you how did you find yourself in those middle of the night back alleys in those brothels, talking to people, re- trying to rescue people who are caught up in that in homelessness and drugs and prostitution? How you did know, you it's find funny, Richard. This conversation is kind of funny this way. Uh, I I ended up um, making my whole life about um, telling people about Jesus. After I had this uh, mission experience where I had to tell somebody about Jesus and I was all like, wow, I don't want to do it. And right. and if I didn't do it, I was going to be in trouble. So and I'd been in trouble all summer long. So I did it. I call it the worst gospel presentation in the history of the world. 
Uh, Cause I did it begrudgingly. And I just, I literally just was like, you know, God loves you, but you've sinned. And so Jesus came and woohoo, you want to follow him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the person that I was talking, I, and I said to the person, you know, like, I'm really sorry to bug you, but like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be in trouble. So would you mind? You know, it's just <laughs> seriously the worst thing right. ever. And this lady Fatima in, in Africa, she said, yeah, I, I really would like to follow Jesus, you know. And, and so I, of course, I didn't believe it was possible. So I, I did it again. And I made her sit through the presentation like four times before <laughs> I finally let her give her heart to Jesus, you know. Right. And, um, and the next day I was reflecting on it and I realized that I had believed, and this is, this is fascinating, but I had believed that God could save the world because he saved me. So right. I knew it was possible. But I did not think it was possible for God to use me to save the world. Uh, and that little twist, you know, that invitation. So then I really felt the invitation. I felt God say, not only do I want to save you, but I want to save you for something. And I think oftentimes we've done this whole, the gospel means you're saved from your sin, which is only half the gospel. Mm -hmm. Because you're not just saved from something, you're saved for something. Right. And that was, that was just, that just shifted for me. So then as soon as I got that, which I still, I was a juvenile delinquent. I was like still on probation. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was a mess, you know, still. But as soon as I got that, I was like, oh, I'm not just saved from something. I'm saved for something. And then I literally just was like, well, what's the best way to do this? And uh, for me, just that I grew up in the Salvation Army. So I was like, well, that's, that seems like a good way. So I didn't have this like moment where the angels you know, descended and light came yeah, from heaven right. and God said, you should, you know, join the Salvation Army. There was none of that. There was literally just, I was like, what is the fastest track to making this the the main way that I live, you know? That's interesting. I, I, I find myself, and I suppose other people feel the same way, it's like, okay, well, who am I to say? Or this is just going to look like, you know, Johnny B. Good talking, you know, so I can look good in front of others. I mean, I, I see myself not wanting to boldly talk about at, at times, boldly yeah. proclaim or boldly talk because of those things. Right. Did you experience that? Yeah. I mean, on and off, I think uh, for me, I've been pretty unapologetic about the story of Jesus because it was so transforming for me. Sure. And that's my experience and encounter. And I think we have, we kind of owe it to people to be authentic. Right. So what I really don't like is just like pretending I'm not like a Jesus follower and then <laughs> springing it on people later. Right. Well, <laughs> like I feel like, like and I've you had over some really, yeah. you know, I went, I had a running partner uh, who was not at all a Christian and we were running together. We we're training for a marathon. And she said to me, you know, am I going to be a person to you or a project? Oh. And I was like, you know, that's a really good question. And I want to tell you this, like you're a person to me. But let me tell you, let me ask you this. Am I going to be a person to you or am I going to be a project? Oh, yeah. Because I think it goes both ways. So like cause she, she was like, I'll run with you, but I don't want you talking about Jesus. I said, well, look, like, you know, friend, I have no like he's the center of my life. Like, do you really want me to leave out what I do? Like, right. you know, like how I live out of our conversations? Like, I don't I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I'll tell you this. I won't make it an agenda. Right. You know, I'm not going to slip it in as like a trick to, you know, I'm not, yes. but I'm going to be authentic about my life because this is who I am. Right. We've all been invited over to a friend's house for dinner and got slipped the, you know, the Amway or the whatever. Right. And, so and it's not a sales pitch, no. but it is who I am. It's authentic. So wherever it's authentic, I think it's legit. So we actually came to this agreement that 
we would each appreciate who each other were. Like we weren't going to pretend to be something different to please each other. We were just going to be who we were. And um, it ended up growing into a beautiful friendship where there was no agenda, but there was a genuine authenticity of sharing of how we get through life. Well, and that's what people miss, I think, about um, leadership and Christianity, um, that it is all about at the core of it and why it is fundamental and timeless and no one invented it. Because if you strip everything away, at, at the core of that authenticity and transparency is love. And that is what everything is about. And, and, and it doesn't have to be touchy feely and John Lennon and the Hare right. Krishna sitting around talking, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's this authenticity of, I love you because, and that's the central theme of Christianity anyway, you know, if, well, even, I mean, think of these questions, like, like, am I loved? Yeah. You know I mean? When we're talking to people like that's the, that's the essential question. Am I loved? And this is the fleeting reality of people's lives where they cannot find love. Right. And that lasts, you know, that's about who they are rather than what they do. And, and so I think that, that fundamental thing where I realize I am loved because of who I am and not what I do, uh, is the most liberating truth uh, I could ever have for anybody. Yeah. And I agree. And going back to what you said earlier, it is something that you have to remind yourself every day because the, the, the subtle, but also powerful kind of traps that can pull you away from that are everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And a lot of times it's your ego, you know, if you're really honest, I mean, for me, it is anyway. Oh, every time it's your ego. I think that (laughs) early, that's not you. I'm not speaking about you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But every time it's mine, that's for sure. I think our ego, I've nicknamed mine Texas. So oh, yeah, Texas. Because it's, it's so big. Not to mess, mess with my ego. You know? <laughs> yeah. We actually, a bunch of leaders, uh, like, to, well, three of us, um, four of us all together, we got around a table a couple of years ago and we had this conversation about, you know, why we were still doing what we were doing. And all of us had been doing sort of grassroots kind of missional type living for a lot of years, 20 years. And we were all saying, you know, those better looking people who were way more gifted than us and started (laughs) off together and they're not here anymore and we're still here. What's Mm -hmm. going on? And it was this fascinating discussion that followed on how we sustained a life of following Jesus uh, and how easy it is to kind of lose track of the meaning of that. Like the, like, you know, when you were saying you know, this is about love uh, in the end. And it's true. It is about love. But how many people do you know that really you would not look at their lives and go, wow, that life looks like love, you know? Right. And even though they profess that it's about love, they don't, their lives don't look like it, you know? And so we just actually had this conversation about what we were doing. And as we shared the practices that we had developed in our own lives, we realized that we were kind of all doing similar things. You know, there was some accountability, there was some intention, there was some daily kind of connections. And we were like, gee, but we all kind of made it up ourselves. Like we all just kind of in the midst of the struggle, we kind of were like, we need something, we need something. So we we created our own thing. But when we shared together what we were doing, we realized there were some real patterns, there were some rhythms, there was some structure to it. And we thought to ourselves, I wonder if this might be helpful to some other folks who are trying to follow Jesus in a really crazy world and um, in a climate that's difficult to do. And so we put some things together. You know, we created what we called a way of life. And um, and we decided that we would trial it out in our own lives, you know, for a whole year, 
So I'm in this uh, group of leaders and all of us are pretty good talkers. Right. And we really wanted to be people who were doers right. instead of just talkers. So instead of just going like, oh, hey, this is an amazing idea. Let's market it and get like a logo and move, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. we were like, why don't we just practice it? Why don't we just try it? Why don't we just live it and see how it is, you know? And so we have. So for the last couple of years, I've been living this way of life called infinitum, which is Latin for boundless. And um, which we that. think is the nature of what God calls us to is this boundless life. And um and it's just been so healthy and life-giving to me personally um, that I, I really just wanted to share it as a means of which not only a sustainable practice uh, for longevity's sake, you know, for this long haul that we're in, uh-huh. but also for living a life of deep intent. Because I feel like if you don't have deep intent, you will just go with the flow, right? You end right. up going where the most... That's right, where the next shiny object is and, and thinking it's going to uh, give you what you're... yeah. Yeah, and the shiny object object doesn't necessarily have to be bad. No, no, no. You're I right. mean, that's the real trick. The shiny object could be really good, right? But it actually maybe is off of what you had intended um, to to do. So we 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 came up with the strategy to live with deep intent, and it was just a real simple formula. We wanted to make following Jesus the primary aim of our life, and not all of us are in Christian ministry, so it was like, you know, these were leaders and a leadership coach who's coaching people who are CEOs or, you know, all kinds of different folks who really need to know how to follow Jesus, not just how to say you believe and go to church, you know, but what would it look like for the chief of police to follow Jesus in his job, like in his daily life? Right. And what would it like for a CEO who's managing, you know, thousands of employees to, to actually be following Jesus as a practice in his life? And uh, what would it look like for a journalist, you know, to, who's following Jesus to to really be following Jesus in her daily life? And so we came up with this following Jesus and this ver- the two virtues being love and love, uh, which is uh, what Jesus summed it up. You know, he said, it's not rocket science. Your life <laughs> right. should look like love. <laughs> yeah, right. And you should love God and you should love your neighbor. That's It's not rocket science. Up and out, right? Up and out. And then we decided that there were the way love looked like in real life, there were sort of three essential postures we felt like that we wanted our lives to be rooted in one was surrender so the posture of love ultimately and the first posture of love is a surrendered posture where we say to god okay this is about you right uh and that's kind of for leaders and that's where we said you know earlier in the interview i said you know this is a daily shift for me right where every day I say, oh, yeah, this isn't about me. <laughs> right. This is about God, and it's about him inviting me into this thing called salvation. And then it was going to be generous. And this was really to combat this stinginess that creeps up in our lives. And I kind of I call it living open-handed in a closed-fisted culture. Right. Uh, because everything tells us to take. Yeah. Everything. So leaders specifically, like take the position, take the power, take the money, you know, Mm. take the job, whatever it is, and hang on to it. And that's what we've been taught our whole lives. And so it's about living open-handed. So could we be generous spirits in a world that's stingy? And then the final thing is just about mission, which is the intentional posturing of our lives to those who the world doesn't value, but who Jesus demonstrated that he highly values. And that can look like a thousand different, you know, ways. It can look like me living in a poor community to try to demonstrate love that way. Or it could look like a CEO who shares his profits with his employees. Or it could look like, 
you know, a business startup that has a social uh, justice enterprise as a part of it. Um, it, and it's just been a wonderful thing to live out in real life. I gotta tell you this, hearing you say all that, it sounds, I love the simplicity of it. And I think that everything that you're getting into, I'm even having a tough time articulating what I'm, what I'm feeling, what, what I just heard you say, but the, the the thing that's striking me is the simplicity of it. And I think a lot of times where even self-included, why I always steered away from air quotes, religion was because of the professionalism of it or the kind of um, getting away from the simplicity of what it's asking to do. And as you said, they're really just two things. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know what I mean? I mean, it's the same. That's what it is. And then the simplicity as you're talking about or as you're as what I'm hearing you say that this isn't about doing it by yourself. It's about surrounding yourself well, it's, yeah. about, it's about dedicating yourself to God. It's about loving God, loving others, like we said, and then surrendering yourself uh, uh, from this life of selfishness, which is what we all ask as leaders to do. It's not about you. It's always about others. Yeah. Being generous, as you said, open, open-handed in a closed-fisted world. And then with the mission, finding stuff that has purpose, has meaning, has passion, has, has, uh, yeah, right? Am I summing yeah. it up right? I mean, it's yeah, just it's and so I think, oh, and what we, tra- I mean, really, literally, we wanted it to be as simple as possible because we find that we don't live out the si- simple truth. And that's actually where all the power is, you know, like, you know, is it possible to change the world if every neighbor loved his neighbor? You know, yeah, of course it sure is. is. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how we're going to change the world. But it's like, it can't be that because that's too simple because actually we'd have to practice that when we, <laughs> right. and that's hard. So we, we really tried to make it as intentional. The, the way that you practice infinitum is that. It's a one, two, three. We've made it one, two, three. So one, you have a daily conversation with God. And what I do every morning is we've created these hand postures for surrender, generosity, and mission. Mm-hmm. And so I start my day off at these hand postures and as a prayer. So I, I hold my hands up like I'm like the police have caught me and I say, okay, I give up. This can't <laughs> be me. Right. I can't do this. It's beyond me. So God, please take control. And then I hold out my hands out in front of me for generosity. And I say, freely, I've received. And so freely I give. And then I hold my hands out as though I'm like embracing somebody. And I say like, I want to be like the prodigal father who goes out looking, Mm. you know, where are the lost? Where are the broken? Where are the hurting? Let my life posture so that I'm, I'm waiting for them. And, um, and then that just sets my intention for the day. Like, and I found that since I've been doing that, even though it sounds really simple. I know, but it's beautiful. I love that. It's like, it sets my intention. So now I see more clearly every day I'm looking for opportunities. I'm like, I'm challenged by my stinginess right away rather than later. And, uh, I realize this God's got this day and it's beyond me and I've already admitted it, you know? I love and that. And then what we do is we also, number two is we have a weekly conversation with somebody, a partner. We call it a hub. So Mm -hmm. it could be one other person or it could be up to six people, but where we intentionally ask each other how we're doing. And what we've done is develop questions around each of the vows. So is there something you're not surrendering? You know, is there a control issue for you right now? Uh, is there stinginess creeping up in your life? Is there something you won't let go of? Um, 
And then is there need that you're not responding to and why aren't you? And it's, it's less about sort of like an external code because mm-hmm. that's how we've done even leadership. We've made external, haven't we? Do you we look have. the part? Are that's you dressed right. for the part? Are you equipped for the part? Are you skilled for the part? And really, if we're honest with ourselves, like you said, good leaders need an internal system, mm-hmm. not just an external one. So, and that gets to the real questions of character and content and integrity and, and it's less of sort of this, like, have you done it this week? <laughs> and more of like, is there something I can help you with? Right. And we just found the posture even in that has just been so, and we realize, I realize having, you know, done this with some leaders that a lot of leaders don't have any safe place to have those conversations. I can imagine, but I'm just sitting, I just, I absolutely love this. I mean, I just, I'm totally in love with what you're saying here. And, and so is this is something that we can go to and sign up. I mean, how do you become a part of this community? Yeah. So infinitumlife.com. Go there. There's an app actually for your phone now. So every day I get a reminder and I go on my app and I walk through the questions. Uh, It's been so life-giving to me and uh, to the folks that have been walking with us. So it's a global community. It doesn't belong to any denomination. It's not meant to be owned by anybody. It's meant to be shared as a practice of life. So you know, you can just join. And the only way that you can join is with somebody. You join in community because we don't think uh, Christianity should be practiced alone. Right. So find a partner. So I Skype with one partner so that, you know, if you don't have anybody right next to you that's close enough to do this, maybe you have somebody somewhere else and you can say, hey, go on this website, download these resources and let's get this party started. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, I mean, just creating it and being part of it and practicing it has really been so life-giving that I'm always like, guys, check this out, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and there's no, I mean, in terms of a win for me, the only win for me is being surrendered and generous and missional with my life. That's it. Uh, well, I there's love, nothing to be gained. Yeah. And I love the intentionality of starting your day around those three, right? Yeah. Surrendering. Yeah, because my son, I remember he told me one day, he has this really, he's only, he was only five years old. He has this incredible active imagination. So, you know, we're, we're not just coloring. We're like building a rocket ship. We're going to go to the moon, you know. And right. I remember asking him just a normal question one day, like, Judah, you want to go for a swim? You know, and he looked at me and he goes, for real life, mom? <laughs> and I just, I felt like that's the question kind of we're asking Jesus too is like, you told us to pray these things and to live out this life, but do you really want us to do it for real life? Right. You know, because so many, I think so much, we talk about these things as though, you know, we're really coloring paper, but we're going to go to the moon, you know, like, (laughs) and I just, I feel like Infinitum offers us this chance to say, this is a boundless life for real life. Like, this is what it looks like to actually walk Mm -hmm. this out in in an everyday practice. Well, and I think that's what's, that's what's key is because even, you know, as, as I look at it, it just seems, sometimes it just seems so complicated. I don't want to, you know, the experiences I've had at church, they don't resonate. It doesn't click. I don't, uh, you know. Yeah. Where it's, it's knowledge based. Yeah. You know, it's just all knowledge based. Like you need to know more. And we just realize we don't need to know anymore. We need to do more. Yeah. We need to walk more. We oh need to, God. you know, move towards Jesus more. We need to follow more, you know. Right. We don't need to know more. I mean, we know so much. I mean. Yeah. yeah. We have all the tools that we need to be. Yeah, we need to practice it. Right. So the real the real missing element for us has been how do I walk it out? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, I think and I, I alluded to this earlier, and um I think 
having the realization and it's okay that it's messy, that it's not, it's not straight lined. It's not, you know, right angles. It's, it's kind of sloppy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it also isn't prescriptive. So this is the thing, like you might not following Jesus for you might not lead you to a low income community to demonstrate. Sure. Right. It might not lead you to alleys. It might lead you to boardrooms and corporate offices, and it might lead you to, you know, legislative reform. And, and, and it's also just getting off of that. Like I have a plan, you know, God loves you, but I have a plan for your life, you know? Right. And it, there's this real maturity about, about saying, actually, it's your job to follow Jesus, not mine. <laughs> like I'm following Jesus on my, my path. This is my journey, but it's your job to be a disciple. That's your job. So then the question becomes, how do you follow Jesus? That's your question, you know, and there's something real mature about it. And I can't tell you how refreshing it is to have somebody ask me every week, you know, is there a control issue in your life you want to talk about? <laughs> and for us to actually agree together as leaders that, yeah, there is, there's this thing in my life where I want to, I want my way, darn it, to all two year old tantrum of me. <laughs> right. And I literally need to make a choice as a disciple to say, actually, God, you can have your way, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it. have that, you know, place to say, oh, look at us all human, being human together. Well, I think, you know, what really my big pet peeve, particularly, you know, if I listen to anybody and no one likes to talk about religion because it thinks, well, I don't want to come across as judgmental. And, And the more that I've... Look, the more that you tap into what we're talking about here, I mean, it's the least thing that you can do. I mean, it's just about, it's about authenticity, I guess. And, and it's not about some creed or doctrine exactly. or religion. It's about a practice of following Jesus. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I remember, um, just a, a year and a half ago, I, I went to see the Hercules movie with yeah. my husband, mm-hmm. you know, with Dwayne Johnson. Right. Who's like really worked out for that part. Right. <laughs> If there was a God man. Right. An Adonis it's him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, the, the idea of the new movie is that, you know, Hercules is this mythical character, but really he's just a man and he has a secret team that comes in and helps him win the battles, but only he emerges with a big red cape, you know? Right. And, um, there's a scene in the movie where he gets cut on his shoulder in a frontline battle. And the the team captain comes, sees it, and he goes all the way through the front line of the battle, and he goes up to Hercules, and he whispers in his ear, never let them see you bleed, and he covers Hercules' shoulder with his cape. And just as I witnessed that scene, it was like God just turned the movie screen into a picture of, of Jesus bleeding on the cross. All right. And I felt him say to me very strongly, you know, what kind of leader do you want to be? And I feel like the world, you know, our general, even the church oftentimes pushes us into this Hercules yeah. uh, model, you know, where we don't let people see us bleed. We're not human. We're mythical. We're amazing. We're type A. We're phenomenal. You should be more like us. Right. And um, Jesus keeps inviting us to this like vulnerable, exposed, like I'm willing to sacrifice everything. <laughs> like yeah. here I am hanging on a cross for love's sake. Yeah. And the question always is, which which kind of leader do you want to be? And so for me, I just really feel like it's that I kind of, we make that conscious choice. Yep. You know, am I going to be authentic? Am I going to be real? Am I going to be human? Uh, am I going to be vulnerable? Or am I going to be pretend and strong and confident and covered <laughs> right. and mythical, not real? Um, 
Yeah, those. I think that's like a daily choice. You're right. And I think that's really what it boils down to. And I think if that is kind of really, I mean, if if I had to sum up why I started the show or why I even do this, it's, it's, it's that contrast of that type of leader that really bugs me. I think that if there's anything that really drives me bonkers is, you know, I, I guess the, the myth that most people seem to believe that it has to be the Herculean example. Yeah. And there's so much so, infinite more power in the like other way. Nobody could do that, you know, and right. you just sort of think, yeah, that's probably because that's not, that's actually not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just love this. I love what you're doing. I'm so blessed to have met you. I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. I mean, I, I, I hope that we can have another conversation in the future. How can people uh, get in touch with you, find, learn more about you? I know, you, I know you're going to participate in the Global Leadership Summit that's coming up in August, which is a big deal. And uh, congratulations on that. And um, yeah, how can, be fun. how can people get uh, in touch with I have a you? website, daniellestrickland.com. So that usually has sort of events that I'm at and ways that you can message me and books that I've written and things if it's helpful to people. Uh, there's also a link there to infinitumlife.com. That's that a website that'll help you discover more about that tool if it's helpful to anybody. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, the app Infinitum. Um, and other than that, I think that's about that's about it. Well, I'll have links to all this on the post. I am going to sign up on this Infinitum. In fact, I got a and there's a meet for the almost exact purposes of what you're you're talking here. So uh, I think uh, I'm going to talk with him, and maybe he and I will sign up on this together and, and check this oh, out. Yeah. This seems well, perfect. Check it out, and then yeah. give us a review on. I will. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. But uh, hang on the line. We'll talk for a little bit. But my gosh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Bless you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hope you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. Hey, go check out my website, doseofleadership.com. Get your free access to some videos or to my free ebook. Also, check out richardryerson.com if you're interested in one on one coaching, group coaching, seminars, or you're needing somebody to speak at your next event. I'm always available. Check out more at richardryerson.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear from you. Richard at doseofleadership.com. It's a great way to get in touch with me. Find me on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter. Get in touch with me. We'll make it a great one.